Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. playing this bumper music leading off one o'clock i love it you like the roots we're back into that cycle of things after wes put in about what is it 85 songs now it used to be 70 then we kept <laughs> climbing that ladder now we're back, what do you to mean back into that cycle of things well because we're going back i mean we just played all your songs and now we're back onto the roots again but like you were shooting some shots Wait, why am nah, I shooting I'm just shots? Like, <laughs> no, I was shooting some shots by having to import all your music. You, you, you felt some type of way. I didn't mean any type of way about it. I was yeah. just saying we're back in. We've got through all of the music that you put in because you put no, in. No, no, no. I'm just messing. I'm just messing with you, dog. You know we like why to stir pe- the pot around why, here. Why are people getting in fake fights with me today? What did I do? I feel like we came in in a good we mood. We do that all day long. But you came in in a great mood. You said, all right, let's go. You probably threw out some expletives or something. I all did. Right, let's bleep and go, baby. I'm ready. And then Fiddy's in a good mood. Yeah. And yet, why do we have to get into some fake fights? I'm not trying right. to do that. So right. we, we had, but we did have the roots. And I just got excited because Fiddy was nodding his head. You know, he's like biting his lip, looking like Doug Heffernan, Kevin <laughs> James on Hitch. We're going to find Fiddy at a Roots concert soon well, enough. Hey, I'll get you hooked up on Illadelph Half-Life, the album that started everything for them, and then we'll get you a little bit more on some of the albums coming up after that. Organics, if you want to be an OG underground real hip-hop head. I did want to start off, though, with a text that we got from you last night, Wes. It's the fact that your son had a pretty good basketball game this yeah, weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. He, uh, his first game in his league yesterday he dropped 24. Yes, I'm one of those parents. I count the baskets. I'm not the full scale statistician. But wait, one of those. I didn't but, count the rebounds. But wait, yeah, of course you're one of those. But you want to know how many are there? Oh, yeah. I guess there are some parents that don't keep track of the stats. Yeah, yeah. But we I had a little chit chat this that morning, and we went over some things, and uh, you know, and then this this league they had practice before the games, but I never seen them so aggressive. And there's certain things like you know you're a kid, and you know when they do certain things, what time it is. And when he was jumping all over the place, chasing rebounds, and he was calling for the ball, he was bringing the ball up, stuff like I hadn't seen him do mm-hmm. with with confidence like that yet. I mean, he was calling for the ball like he was, <laughs> give me the ball. Then he'd get the ball. How good was he, the opposition? They were, it, was, it was pretty solid. You know what I'm saying? I think he's getting to the point to where – because, you know, I'm one of those fans. I like to put him in there with the Wolves. You know what I'm saying? So he's yes. been playing with older kids and – kids that are more advanced. So I think that once he got in there and saw that some of those kids weren't that, he was like, no, nah, I'm about to I'm about to dominate. And that's the thing. I was like, okay, you know, if he's playing, like I said, the competition, it was it was okay. It was decent. But I'm like, he should dominate this. And he did mm-hmm. that. Yeah, so, it, it reminds me, you know, I, you, basketball dominated my family. So growing up, I played at the YMCA mm-hmm. in Catawba County. And after like my third year, I started to be really good. I was awesome. I was destroying people. Yeah. And then one of my best friend's dads came to watch me play. My best friend came over to watch. We're going to hang out afterwards. It was all great. I go for some like, you know, probably 25. I mean, I really was destroying people at the YMCA. Yeah. I know we're about, we're about to get to the humble part. And my friend's dad said, you know, it goes over to my mom. Like, look, this is fine. Like, this is great. He's playing well. Mm-hmm. He's not playing against anybody. Yeah. You know, if you really want to be serious about playing basketball going forward, we need to get him into a different league. Yeah. So I went to a different league, Wes, and you had a couple older kids in there. The the age, the, the gap was a little bit bigger. But also, it was definitely more diverse. Mm-hmm. 
and <laughs> some brothers out they there. had some brothers out there <laughs> so i finally got to play some competition that was yeah. legitimate mm-hmm. wes i go from averaging probably like 20 points i'm i'm lucky if i get three baskets in a game yeah it is completely different yeah. i mean i'm going you know and finally i got to once i got older and started playing well but i never got to that aspect again until maybe some high school games but whoo man like you talk about actually playing against some different competition when you're younger that stuff matters yeah man and he definitely still has a a, a lot of work to do man but he was excited about what he did because i put him in a nike camp this summer where there's a lot of good kids out there and mm-hmm. uh he held his own there he had really good report from that as well and then uh and then, so like I said, and then the coach that he works with, because I got him a little coach. You know, he has a private coach. Okay. Know? Yeah, he's got a private coach. How big is he? Is he just a monster? Yeah. He's like <laughs> five, three and a half at 11. Yeah, it's pretty and big. And then he wears a size 11 shoe. Okay. So, so. Um, yeah, man, but he has a coach he works with. His coach puts on these camps now, and he's in there with the older kids now, so they play a lot of pickup. The last one he did, they played a lot of pickup, and he's got one coming up on MLK Day as well. So that's the thing I like is putting him with those kids right. to keep shopping his skills. Uh, Brian wrote in, who would win, Wes's kid or Fiddy on one leg in the church league? We also <laughs> had Stanford P write in, Walker, you'd get destroyed in the Lancaster County Church League. They go hard. Fiddy, is that true? Would you would you be able to beat the 11-year-old Wes's kid scoring 24 points on just one leg in church league? I mean no disrespect whatsoever, but Bryce <laughs> wouldn't even score. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's about as tall as you, so I, I don't know how say. true that is. All right, let, let's let's do a one-on-one post matchup, and we'll do some post-entry passes, and we'll see who wins. Offense and defensive drills, and maybe we can set that up. It's Wesson Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 <laughs> WFNZ. I believe, is it Steve Wilkes speaking right now or Scott Fitterer? I know Steve Wilkes, but we'll see if Scott Fitterer um, will speak a little bit later on, and we'll try to maybe play some of that audio throughout the week, some of the things that he's saying currently. But obviously, this is somebody that is up for the permanent coaching gig here with the Carolina Panthers after moving to a 500 record, getting that victory yesterday against the New Orleans Saints. It was an ugly game. It was comedically horrible to watch, but they end up winning 10 to 7, and Eddie Pinheiro hits the game winning field goal. Now, here is Steve Wilkes discussing this after the game, staying in the moment, not worrying too much about the full time job. To be quite honest, I'm going to stay in the moment and just reflect on, on, on where we are right now. I don't want to really discuss anything about, you know, job opportunities moving forward. Again, you know, I'm going to be where my feet are right now. Yeah, and, and this is someone that uh, grew up in the city. You know, we know that it might mean a little bit more to him than other people just because he was here as a coach on the significant run they had in 2015, going to the Super Bowl. He coached Thieves Avenue. He got to see some of the development from a Josh Norman and then putting the pieces together around him, right? We got to see a great Kurt Coleman year in the secondary. We got to see Charles Tillman come in. Like, you had a whole bunch of different uh, walks of life and, and as far as where these guys were in their career, and Steve Wilkes got to coach a lot of that. And then it, he was so good, he got uh, an opportunity with the Arizona Cardinals, and now he's back and after not getting the right opportunity there with the Cardinals uh, franchise. And so he'll get the official interview tomorrow. You know, what are the chances you think he actually does get this? Like, we've already talked about how good we would feel, you know, some of the problems, some of the benefits, advantages we think that Steve Wilkes would bring with this job. But when it's all said and done, do you think David Tepper actually goes in the Steve Wilkes direction? And when you say what are the chances, do you want to talk percentages or like what? Do Man, you do? it's the Weston Walker show. It's whatever you want to give me. You can give me percentages. You can give me I think there's a good to decent to strong shot. 
What do you think about the chances that he could get this job? You can give me percentages if you want to. If I was to think about it in terms of percentages, I would give him a... Okay, so if I divide it up like a pie to make it sound like I don't I don't think he's going to get the Just job. keep it away from Fitty. He wants to eat it. I will go... Uh, <laughs> this is hard. <laughs> I don't mean to put you on the spot. No, like, no, no. I'm just... I'm going to go... I'm going to go 50-50. I think it's 50-50 at this point. I do, too. That's where I would roll. Yeah. I, I mean, I think... David Tepper probably coming into this process did not envision hiring Steve Wilkes. Yeah. And I hope that there was a legitimate shot at the beginning of all of this. He said Steve Wilkes would have to do an incredible job. That has been that line has been referenced time and time again. This is when we get into the semantics part of the argument. Would you call a 500 record with this roster? Everything that happened throughout the offseason, trading Christian McCaffrey, having to start P.J. Walker, Sam Darnold, offensive lineman went down yesterday. That's something we didn't even really talk about at the beginning of the show. But all of the different things that this team had to battle is getting to 500 an incredible job. You know, might seem a little strong, but I do think it's a very good one. And I think I think if you envision it or if you talk about it in the sense that did he earn it? I think he absolutely did. You know, the other the other way to view this with David Tepper is if you go in a different direction and it fails, it is going to look that much worse. Right. Like because if you go in a different direction and they don't finish 500 next year, then that's going to look really bad on David Tepper. To me, this is the easier decision, especially if you can't get a Sean Payton, who clearly would be a great option. And I think Frank Reich. I think it's come from his camp that he would be interested in just coaching in the NFL somewhere as a coordinator. So if you brought in Frank Reich, who has ties with the Carolina area, if you brought him in as an offensive coordinator, maybe that would alleviate some of those concerns about not opening up the offense as much because you view Steve Wilkes as a conservative guy. I think that would be something attractive to me. Yeah, and I think, too, one thing you think about, too, is the visualization of things. Do you see Steve Wilkes being a Super Bowl winning head coach? Do you see him being... Because you have to think about it this way. Do you see him being the greatest head coach uh, in the history of this franchise? Because that's what you want this next coach to be. Do you see all of these things? Does he have that it factor? Does he seem like a guy that if I have to uh, go in and play, you know, against the, you know, any of the elite coaches in the NFL, if he has to go against an Andy Reid, if he has to go against, you know, some of those caliber of guys, is he a guy that you could see coming out on the top of those matchups? Do you feel like he's a guy that can match wits with some of the best of the best? I think that's how you have to think when you're an organization that's hiring its next head coach. Well, Wes, you're a former player. I mean, how much did it matter to you, the ability of a coach to get the best out of you? Because, of course, you can't have the rah-rah speech in the locker room every single time. And it is different discussing the professional ranks. They get a big-time paycheck to bring it. Uh, every single week, I get that, but it still matters. It, it still matters to get the best out of these players. How much does that matter to you, some of those type of qualities that have surrounded Steve Wilkes this entire time? Well, I think it matters knowing, you know, for one, that a coach cares, you know, that he doesn't look at you as just pieces of mink, so to speak. Then I think it also matters, is, is he going to put you in the best positions uh, in game strategy? Because I do remember times at Wake Forest, when we would come out there and teams would know our plays, call them out during the middle of the cadence, and you'd be like, oh, bleep, they know exactly what we're about to do. This doesn't go well. 
this not this is not going to go well. And so that gets frustrating at times too. Do you feel like you have a coach that when oh, you go out there that you have a good game plan where you like, man, this ain't going well. Like, let's just say I'm not even going to say my team because people be like, oh, you being a homo. Let's just say, you know, you're going to play Philadelphia, something like that. And you go into it with the game plan where you're like, look, you know, if you say we just going to run it down and throw it in them, and if that doesn't work, we're just going to keep running it. Then you're going to be like, God, like, I don't know about this because Philly plays the run well if they stop us and their offense is explosive. And so that's the thing. It's like, do you buy into the coach and, and does what – they do make sense. You know what I'm saying? And that's the thing I think a lot of people like about the 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 coordinators, especially the offensive guys, is that they feel like, you know, guys can go into a game on a, hey, you know, what we're doing on offense is different. It's dynamic. Like, th- this can work. These are things that not a lot of people are doing. I really like this. You know what I'm saying? And then you have some players that like the old school, like I said, ground and pound and feel like that will work. So I think those are all the things you have to consider as well. Yeah, and I hope that they're able to adapt and kind of build a little bit more around the personnel to match what an explosive offense could look like, right? Because I don't think you have that right now. I don't think you have the necessary pieces to be this explosive offense. And so when you're not running the football well, it's going to be really hard to win. Again, the best stretch we ever saw from this offense when they weren't rushing effectively, it was the first, what, three quarters against Tampa Bay when Sam Darnold probably one of his better games outside of the turnover worthy plays. And just as far as having a couple of big time throws. So you don't do have you that. see Wilkes in that light. On, like where I look at him, do you look at him as a Pantheon Panthers coach? Do you look at him as a Super Bowl caliber coach? Like, do you feel like he can get to those levels? I see him as a guy that could absolutely be a CEO of a team that's very successful to the point where they're contending. Yes. Do you see him as a guy that could potentially be the greatest head coach in this organization's history? I mean, yeah. I mean, but that's what I'm saying. You gotta well, look at it like that. Well, so that's all I'm. I'm just saying. No, do, you, for, do you see the potential of that? Sure. Okay. I mean, sure. Right. Like it's John Fox who had a great year and you know got to the Super Bowl. Same thing with Ron Rivera. But it's not like we're talking about the Bill Walshes of the world. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think there is that kind of potential. We're up against the break again. We got to go to a championship preview in college football between Georgia and TCU. Would Georgia cement their status as the new power team of the SEC with a win? We'll discuss that next on Wesson Walker. We'll move to the college ranks now, talking about the championship game tonight between Georgia and TCU. You can text us, give your thoughts on the Garage Door Guru text line at 704-570-9610. The last video that we released, the reel that we released on our Twitter handle, at Wesson Walker. I'm, I'm sorry, I forget how to spell it, though, for you to want to be able to find it. How do you spell it, Wes? Yeah, W-E-S-A-N-D-W-A-L-K-E-R. Get us to 1,000. Hit that follow button now and if you do we'll make up some kind of prize and yeah. maybe give it to you and yeah. do something no, crazy. i'm going to do something okay i'm, I'm going to every uh, 1000 followers that we get i'm going to pick a random follower and do something nice okay well that's excellent so do that at wes and walker but the real we released i don't know yeah would you call it disrespectful to tcu the way we treated them going into that michigan game yeah i think so I mean, I think you were I more called disres- him Cinderella. You you called him. It was a nice little story. It was kind of yes, kind. It was it was condescending. Very condescending. Mm-hmm. But they beat they beat Michigan. That they did. And now here they are in the championship game against Georgia. Here's Kirk Herbstreit discussing how 
Yes, even though you think of Georgia having this monster defense and they've been performing extremely well the last two years, here's Kirk Herbstreit talking about how the secondary, it is the Bulldogs' biggest concern. I think if you're Kirby Smart, after the way the Ohio State game transpired, the biggest thing you're gotta, you've got to be concerned about is, is the back end, and especially when you have a mobile quarterback. I mean, C.J. Stroud hasn't been necessarily that mobile, but in that game, his ability to create gave them fits, and now here comes Max Duggan. The first thing it starts with is Max Duggan included in the run game. Zone read, design quarterback draw to be able to make Georgia have to account for him in the run game. Once they can establish that, if you're TCU, safeties come down, now you get the one one-on-one opportunities against the Georgia corners, which they've been vulnerable, uberly talented, but vulnerable, and Quentin Johnston can beat a lot of guys one-on-one. So that becomes, to me, the game within the game, Duggan's legs to create one-on-one opportunities out on the edge. Wes, do you think that Max Duggan and Quentin Johnson, the guy who is expected to be the first wide receiver taken in this NFL draft, do you think that can be a dynamic enough of a duo to keep them close and maybe even beat the Georgia Bulldogs in this championship game. Well, no doubt about it. I mean, they have more than that, but when you look at this TCU offense, I mean, they led the nation with 21 plays of 50-plus yards, okay? 14 offensive touchdowns of at least 50 and 10 scoring plays of at least 60 yards. So this is a big play offense. Them in Oregon are the only FBS teams averaging at least 250 yards per game, passing 200 rushing and have at least 30 passing and 30 rushing touchdowns. And, oh, yeah, Max Duggan, 17 touchdown passes of at least 20 yards. He only trails C.J. Stroud, who they saw the last game, who lit them up as well. So this is going to be an interesting matchup. I mean, we talked about the Georgia defense. You heard the sound bite, but they're still fifth nationally in scoring defense. They held six teams to season lows and points. So this is still a good defense. They're going to be looking to come out and play well. I ultimately feel like they will be the difference, but I feel like this TCU offense is going to give them fit. Well, and you mentioned the defense, some really strong linebacker play from TCU, especially a guy like D. Winters, not only good in coverage, but also can get in the backfield. Now, we might think this is going to be a close game, you and me, Wes, but Fiddy doesn't think so. Fiddy feels like he can go to can go to bed maybe at halftime of this championship game. Why do you think Georgia is going to destroy TCU so badly? I just think they're going to do to them what I think we all thought Michigan was going to do to them, which was overwhelm them at the point of it attack wear them down physically with that running game and I think something that we kind of get lost in when we look at, uh, at, at Georgia's offense is they've got skill position talent all over the field like you know Wes had a thing last week about how Clemson no longer has the skill position talent to win national championships it's because a lot of those kids are in, in Georgia and it's not just from the running backs they've got the tight end and Brock Bowers they've got receivers that, that can make plays down the field and Stetson Bennett has turned into a guy that in big moments you trust him to make the right the right amount of the, the right plays and make the big throws. And, you know, this team got pushed to the brink against Ohio State. Great performance by the Buckeyes. I think you see a motivated Georgia team to to really plant down the flag as they are now the premier program in college football. Well, yeah, and it's interesting. I go to Georgia and Kirby Smart, and I compare that a little bit to Dabo Sweeney and Clemson. Clemson had a reputation before where Clemsoning was known as choking some of the big leads away, not being able to finish some of their regular seasons. And there was a bigger jump that had to be had, of course, from where Clemson was before Dabo Sweeney to where they are now as we're kind of surprised if they don't make the college football playoff. But Georgia also 
they got rid of Mark Richt for a reason, despite having excellent regular seasons, is that they couldn't quite get to the championship level, the playoff level type of style. Kirby Smart comes over there. They lose a championship game. So still you have this reputation going into last year's championship as a team that's always going to be towards the top, but never at the top. Well, they got there last year. They have a great opportunity to do that again here, Wes. And if they do, of course, we're going to have to mention them in the likes of some of the other schools that have been there for a while. Ohio State might be coming down a little bit, but we know that they've been up there, especially with Urban Meyer. How important do you think of a game this is for Kirby Smart and Georgia to reach the pinnacle of what is college football? Well, yeah, I mean, they would be the first team in the CFP era to win back-to-back national championships. And furthermore, what Kirby Smart brought to Georgia, because I've been watching college football since 1991, and Georgia has always been, you know, most years as talented as anybody because of the fertile recruiting grounds in Georgia. But they always perennially underachieved. And I think that once they got a coach that had brought Nick Saban-like discipline to that program to go along with all of the fantastic athletes and recruiting classes uh, that they had. And, you know, it's crazy it took them so long. I mean, when I was a kid, it was Jim Donnan. Then they had Mark Rigg. Now, I'm not saying he came right after him, but I'm just saying some of the notable coaches they've had did not bring the disciplinary aspects to their program like this particular Georgia program has. He holds them accountable. Uh, And, you know, those kids play very efficient football. And so, you know, to answer your question that, yeah, this is an important game for them tonight to take that next step to officially cement themselves as a new powerhouse in college football and in the SEC with Alabama that's still lurking there as a championship contender year in, year out. So, Fiddy, if you think that Georgia is going to beat down the TCU Horned Frogs, if TCU was able to dispel that and actually get this championship, would you view that as the biggest underdog story, the the biggest upset that we've seen in college football championship history? I, I would definitely probably think so in the modern era just because nothing else really comes to mind off the top of my head. Maybe if Oregon would have beaten Ohio State in the inaugural playoff, maybe from a perception standpoint. But even in the end, they had Cardale Jones. Like, you could have easily given an mm-hmm. excuse to Oregon, who had the better quarterback. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely say since the BCS on, this would be the biggest upset in a national title game. Uh, it would be huge. And, uh, and what's funny is, there we were just talking about Cardale Jones was crazy coming in. Um, that storyline, moving to your third string quarterback, where they beat Wisconsin, and then they beat uh, Oregon in the championship, and they just riled him with your third-string guy, right? They had some stars at the QB spot there. And then on the other side, you're talking about Marcus Mariota. You do have Max Duggan, who did finish second in the Heisman voting, but you mentioned Stetson Bennett being really underrated. I don't think we view him as an outright star at the QB spot. With that said, with that kind of reputation, do you feel like this is the least star-studded national championship game in recent memory? Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, when you look at most games, you have three to four guys on each side of the ball that you know about, that you know uh, or feel good about their NFL chances and where they will be drafted. This game, I mean, I can't really name you a ton of players off of Georgia's offense or defense. Um, just as far as just notable household name caliber guys. Max Duggan became one because he was a Heisman Trophy uh, candidate. But as far as just pure studs that we'll remember in college football history that were just fantastic players and household names, no, this this does lack a lot of star power. Do you feel that way, Fiddy, that it's kind of the least star-studded game that we'll see with this magnitude? Um, well, I'm trying to think of other – I think the point being is like, 
Joe Burrow versus Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Even some of these semifinals. Yeah, you don't have just these these studs all over the – like, they're good players and, and some great players, but just household names that will go down as just historic college football players. I'm not – I don't know if I'm willing to go that far because remember back in September, even in early October – we thought Georgia was better this year than they were at times last year. And they, they went through a midseason lull that kind of really nulled th- that that notion. But I mean, how many how many of their starter the defenders are going to be in the NFL? Right, but Eight, how nine many of them? But yeah, but how many of these guys can you name off the top of your head and just say ten years from now I'll remember this player as being a great college football player? Uh, well, the the reason I that, can't think of any. The reason that might happen, somebody wrote in and said Ohio State beating Miami was a huge upset, and that happened, of course, twenty years ago. Now we're yeah, talking that team about was that. Loaded. No, but 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 on the surface, it was. When we're talking about individual matchups, yes. Craig Krenzel is a name that we know because he wasn't an NFL quarterback, mm-hmm. and yet he was able to beat Miami. That's not going to happen with Stetson Bennett, but you know he's not the guy that is viewed as a Bryce Young. He's not the guy that is viewed as one of these other top-tier QBs. He's not even the best QB in this game. I mean, I'd argue Texas being USC that year, even though that Texas team was absolutely loaded. Not a lot of people thought that team had a chance. A lot of people thought they were going to get you're talking crushed about, by you're, USC. You're transitioning to the upset kind of conversation yes. now. Right. Yeah, no, I was just saying that. But right. yeah, keep going. Yeah, no, n- no, for sure. I mean, I think a lot of people thought USC would do it. Yeah, I'm looking at some of the other championship games that we've had. You know, so much of it comes down to just how many stars Alabama has at any given time. Right, right? yeah. I mean, the, the fact that the Crimson Tide get there, you know, they get there three straight years, four straight, excuse me, from 2016 to 2019, you know, you're always going to have those stars because the recruiting classes are so good. And what, what, what hurts Georgia, I think, is the fact that you had so many people leave. I think a lot of people expected that defense to fall off because how many first-rounders did you have? You had seven, something crazy like that. Defensively, you had so many guys being drafted so high in this past NFL draft. We hadn't seen the Bulldogs reload to that caliber yet. We had seen Clemson do it. We'd seen Alabama do it. But we haven't seen Georgia reload, and here they are playing an excellent brand of defensive football, and that has absolutely helped them get to the championship alongside steady quarterback play in Stetson Bennett, having a big play uh, guy at the running back spot, and having the dudes we were discussing uh, before we came back on during the break that Fiddy mentioned the Georgia Bulldogs had. That'll do it for the championship preview. We can talk about it a little bit later on in the show. Do want to spend a little time recapping the Hornets weekend that saw a split, routing the Milwaukee Bucks, also losing to the Indiana Pacers last night, but they have been playing better. How big of a storyline is that? We'll get to that in just a moment, not before the second Fitty Flash of the day. What you got, Fitty? All right, guys, let's go back to the final NFL regular season Sunday, where yesterday the Washington Commanders started former local uh, high school prospects uh, Sam Howell, who of course was a three-year starter, record-setting quarterback at the University of North Carolina, and he led the Commanders to a convincing 26-6 win over the Cowboys. His first pass as an NFL quarterback went for a touchdown. He'd also run one in as well. What did you guys think of the former local? Uh, standout quarterback in his first start in the NFL. I always liked Sam Howell, even coming out of college, where I know that he had kind of descended in those prospect ranks. I still thought he was an awesome QB, that even if he wasn't drafted in the first, I really liked some of the uh, the downfield throwing that you had from him in college, and you got to see that. Um, 
you know, what you saw here, the 52-yard reception to Terry McLaurin, the 30-yard reception to Dotson. Yeah, I, I love what you got from Sam Howell, and I'm polling for him to succeed the rest of the way. Same here. I really wanted to go see him play when he was at Sun Valley uh, here. And so just seeing him in the NFL now, granted he is a Tar Heel, so we know how I feel about that, but just the way that he played yesterday, and I respected him a lot at Carolina for one, coming back and playing in that bowl game with his guys and just being a tough football player. That touchdown run he had yesterday gave me bad memories of when he was running through my deeks, especially in that seven touchdown game that he had. I was about to say, which just, game was that? Yeah, just, both the wins he was Yeah, dominant. yeah, 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 yeah. Just running through and bouncing off guys <laughs> yeah, and scoring yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, touchdowns and things like that. So, yeah, I'm rooting for him to succeed as well. I'm always down for the local kids doing well. Well, I, I got to call one game from him playing at Sun Valley, and I, I always compared him to Tim Tebow in that game. He didn't throw the ball a whole lot, but he ran for I don't even know how many yards. I mean, it was a lot and four touchdowns. Any first down they needed, he would just carry. And then you got to see that a little bit at North Carolina. You got to see that yesterday on that touchdown run that he had. So the fact that he's playing, but also the throwing prowess that he possessed at North Carolina, hoping to see that at Washington. And I'm glad to see him finally finally get a game under his belt this season. That was fantastic. And they beat Dallas. I mean, Fiddy, I talked to you last week, said, is there going to be any love for your boy, Sam Howell? And you said, no, zero. I don't even hope he throws for 300 yards in a loss. And eventually Dallas gets the win, but you were tweeting a lot of love yesterday watching Sam Howell play so well. I miss him so much. Like, <laughs> like, don't get it wrong. I love Drake may and Drake may will probably probably won't break all of his records. Cause he's only going to be a, a quarterback at Carolina for two years. But Sam Howell is right up there. Like, he's the one football player that I love almost as much as I love our basketball guys. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of fun watching him kick the Cowboys' ass in a game that they treat like a preseason game before Brady goes and ends our season next Monday night. So, yeah, there was no ill will towards uh, slinging Sammy Howell really quick. Are you guys Joe Burrow fans? Yes or no? A yes. huge, huge fan of Joe Burrow. Because yes, I, am. I already was a fan of then after this quote yesterday about his – quote, championship window in Cincinnati, maybe more of a bigger fan if they beat the Bengals to officially secure home field advantage in the wild card round. The window's my whole career, and, and everybody that, that we have in that locker room, all the coaches we have, you know, things are going to change year to year, but our window's always open. Straight bars just, Joe I mean, Burrow. Just, yeah. <laughs> so much confidence. I, I don't, It might be arrogant. I don't care. I love it. I think the AFC title game will come down between Kansas City and Cincinnati once again because I trust him more than I trust Josh Allen in the spotlight. And that dude has revived what once was a dead organization in Cincinnati. No, man, watching him play football, it's been a lot of fun to see. One of those stars we were talking about that just recently won a college football championship. We could talk a little bit more about that as the show goes on. But coming up next, we'll recap the Hornets weekend on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Fitter is speaking with the media now discussing his involvement, quote unquote, with the head coaching search. And that's exactly what he said, that he will be involved, but didn't want to give specifics because he didn't want to, I guess, paint himself into a corner on his responsibility 
revolving around the head coaching decision. Steve Wilkes spoke earlier today, and he said... When asked about the incredible job threshold David Tepper talked about at the beginning of the season or as soon as they fired Matt Rule, um, he said, what I consider to be incredible and the things I do around the house, my wife doesn't see it that way. So Steve Wilkes saying, I don't know how you would define the incredible job that I did, whether it is that word or not, but I do think that it was deserving of the job if they decide to go that route. Another thing Scott Fitterer said real quickly while speaking with the media is that it's not going to be a large group of head coaching candidates. So you have Jim Caldwell, you have Frank Reich, and you have Steve Wilkes. Jim Harbaugh also kind of in the mix, even though that's lost a little bit lost a little bit of steam during the weekend. Um, do you have any thoughts on the comments from Scott Fitterer being involved in the coaching decision? Steve Wilkes also on whether he reached the incredible threshold put forth by David Tepper. Well, I mean, what else is Scott Fitterer supposed to do? He's a general manager. Shouldn't he be involved in the decision making? So, yeah. yeah, I don't think there's any breaking news there. I would expect him to be in on this, especially since it's a guy that's going to be so closely tied to his job because if this next head coach does not work, he will not be uh, working. I mean, does that scare you that he leaves it that vague when he says I'll be involved because you start to think about David Tepper having his fingerprints all over the football operations side of things. And of course, the owner is going to have to sign off on whatever hire you decide. I'm not naive to the process. Every owner is going to have their input on how things are run within their organization. Honestly, it's understandable business. Every every single professional sports franchise owner is going to have their input. It's just how much freedom do you give your general manager or person of authority to make that decision? And I hope David Tepper doesn't override what Scott Fitterer might want. But it does scare me a little bit. And, Fiddy, I know it scares you a little bit, too. Yeah, because, you know, you got to be worried about uh, well, Dave Tepper here uh, just showing up. <laughs> broad-chested, shirt unbuttoned because he has chest hair of a billionaire to be proud of, and he just tells him, hey, Scott, uh, we got the ninth pick of the NFL draft. That's what we need to be worried about. I'll find the next head coach, and uh, you go find me some talent. It does worry me, though, that Tepper, because, like, remember, Tepper won his press conference as much as any new owner has. Like, came out and said... Mm -hmm. I don't want to be the next Jerry Jones, even though Jerry Jones, like he couldn't hold Jerry Jones' jockstripe if he wanted to. It's pretty much mandated. We're not going to settle for mediocrity. Well, you haven't done that because you've been below mediocre in his time as, as an owner. He's got to get this right or all the things that he's doing off the field that has won his fan base over more so than Jerry Richardson did with you know, new uniforms or new uniform combinations, putting that logo at midfield. That stuff doesn't matter if you don't win football games. I need everyone to text in 704-570-9610, and you can tell us what you thought of Fiddy's David Tepper impression. That was a roller coaster of chaos. I, You were going in and out of that impression. I sensed some <laughs> leaky confidence. You wanted to stick with it, and then you felt a little a little scared to keep going with it. Did you think that was a good impression for your boy? Wes? Uh, I thought it was decent. I'm going to give him some credit. Okay, there you go. That you was... can't critique my impression until you come in here with one of your own. I mean, I, I, I don't want to give a bad impression. I already know. All right, I critiqued it, even though I didn't give it to you. That's a bad impression that I'm going to give, and it's also a bad one that you gave. But you can text in mm-hmm. 704-570-9610. Just want to recap the Hornets weekend real quickly. Playing better, heading in the right direction. If you want them to win basketball games, 
They played extremely well against the Milwaukee Bucks. They got a 30-point victory against them. They had the 51-point first quarter to lead off and then scored 80 in the first half, eventually held on to what was probably their best overall performance this entire year. And then against the Indiana Pacers, they lost. It came down to the wire. But I do think this is a team that's playing better at the starting lineup put together two impressive stat lines all across the board when you're talking about P.J., Jalen McDaniels, Terry Rozier went for close to 40 against Milwaukee, but still a huge problem with this team is LaMelo Ball's foul troubles. I mean, goodness gracious, it happened again last night. Fouled out, didn't play the last minute, had foul trouble in the third quarter, and the Hornets were able to survive. But this is not a team that has a lot of margin for error. How big of a deal do you think it is when LaMelo gets in that kind of foul trouble? Yeah, I mean, because for one, it's rare. You don't see, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't really see guards, especially point guards, get in as much foul trouble as he does and foul as much as he does. One thing I did see last night that I did like, though, I did like when he got upset and smacked the board and got a technical foul. I appreciated that because that's the first real emotion we've seen out of LaMelo since he's been here. I mean, think about it. Even good or bad, he doesn't show a lot of emotion. So to see him get a little bit angry and smack the board like that, I, I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. But uh, just as far as it goes, just him being a guard and collecting as many fouls as he does and with him being as important to their offensive efficiency as he is, no, that is not a good thing at all. Um, it, it continues to be a problem, right? I think my concern is that it's not fixing itself. LaMelo's not getting any better at not fouling. It continues to be a problem. And also... He's not even drawing any fouls. And that was a huge point of emphasis coming into this season. If you look at LaMelo, that guy is shooting the second most amount of three-point attempts per game this year among any other player in the NBA. The only person ahead of him right now, it's the best shooter of all time in Steph Curry. He's ahead of Damian Lillard. He's ahead of Klay Thompson. He's averaging over 11 three-point attempts per game. And I think that actually is stopping him from driving And if you see that, that's actually not allowing him to go to the foul line as much. He's shooting really well from the free throw line. You want him to shoot more of those shots, but it's just not happening. And I think he's settling a lot for three-pointers. Now, he's a really good shooter, but I would love to see him be more aggressive. It's what we talked about coming into this season. We can discuss a little bit more about LaMelo Ball going forward. All right. Lots of texts coming in, ranking Fiddy's uh, impression of David Tepper. Uh, Stanford P wrote in, Fiddy is a comedic genius. 239 number wrote in, Fiddy nailed it. David Jones, I mean, Tepper is spot on. Um, Carolina Crazy said he sounded constipated. Um, <laughs> Trucker T wrote in, Fiddy's Tepper impression is straight fizzle. So not fire. Uh, Frank from Concord said that was a good impression of Tepper's voice. How good are you with his signature? Also, maybe you can start to sign us. And, and do you have the money? How 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 good of an impression can your bank account put on David Tepper's bank account? I did watch Catch Me If You Can with Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks. I can you know I I can do a little things. And also, I mean, every person had to forward their parent signature when they were in high school with a bad report card. Mm-hmm. I have experience. I did. You did not do that, Wes? No, I did not. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Didn't know if there was anything else. Um, Brian said, whoa, whoa, whoa. That was Fitty. I thought Tepper crashed the uh, show for a second. So there you go. That was uh, Fitty's Tepper impression. Maybe we can hear a little bit more from David Tepper in the next hour of the show. One final hour to go. Then we'll hand it off to the Kyle Bailey Show coming up next. It is Sports Radio 92.7 W.